name's Bond. James Bond. What do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Grow up, 007. <laughs> this never happened to the other fellow. I'm the money. Every penny of it. So you put your money where your mouth is. It's quite a nice little nothing you're almost wearing. I approve. I'll do anything for a woman with a knife. And then he's fallen with a dinner bucket! Kill Bond, now! To the right! To the right! To the right! Shocking, positively shocking. You get your clothes on, I'll buy you a nice trade. Uh, <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome to Double Oz 7, a James Bond podcast, a brand new podcast talking about the epic film series that is about James Bond, one of the millions on the internet, so we're just making it a million and one. My name is Ben, you may recognise my voice from such hits as Survivor Oz, Big Brother Oz, The Amazing Race Oz, The Brink and Your Oz Vision and such failures as The Qualifying Lap and we are here to discuss everything that we think is brilliant about one of the most successful and greatest film franchises of all time. In this episode, we're just going to introduce ourselves, talk about what this series will bring you, as well as looking ahead to the next James Bond film, which comes out later in 2015, Spectre. And I am going to introduce two gentlemen who will be joining me throughout this journey to discuss everything Bond-esque, including one man from Canada, a place where James Bond, for some reason, has never been to in the movies, just like he hasn't been to Australia, we feel left out. Uh, Mr. Colin Hilding. Colin, welcome to Double Oz 7. I have to say, this is one thing that uh, I've been waiting for for a long time. I'm as huge of a James Bond fan as I am of anything. Uh, this is going to be a very exciting couple of months. Very much looking forward to it. And also joining us throughout this journey on the couple of months is a man who is probably the only person in all of Snug to have seen a James Bond film. It is uh, Noah Groves. Noah, welcome to Double Oz 7. Uh, thank you. I will be going by the uh, pseudonym Dr. No uh, uh, throughout at least this episode and the next episode. Um, yeah, you said that we were going to be talking about everything that's brilliant about James Bond. I'm sure we'll be talking about everything that's not brilliant about James Bond as well. And maybe we'll even do an episode on James Bond Jr. Oh. That's a bit too far, I think. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll be talking about Lazenby as well. We'll be talking about everything. Um, <laughs> So, yes, I'm very excited because I love James Bond, you love James Bond, Colin loves James Bond, and if you're listening to this, you probably love James Bond, unless you love the number seven and thought it was a maths podcast or something, <laughs> but, yeah, excited to be uh, finally about this. I, I can't, I can't say I've ever thought about doing a maths podcast um, <laughs> this week on Math um, Oz. <laughs> Well, I would be keen for it, except for the fact that I'm the worst master in the world. So, um, What's your favourite sum? Oh, definitely eight plus three. <laughs> Gets me very excited. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's a good point you make in terms of uh, the bad things about Bond. Just everything about uh, Mr. Bond. Um, and we're going to sort of focus a lot on clearly the movies. We will be doing a uh, separate episode on each of the Bond films, and we're going to do these in order for the most part. We, we might change that up throughout the series, but uh, we're thinking we'll, we'll stick to the canon. We'll go from uh, Doctor No right through to Skyfall, and then, of course, uh, Spectre when it does eventually come out. But, uh, yes, we'll also touch on several other things to do with James Bond. We're talking about the books, the video games. We'll do an episode purely on the music. We're also going to possibly do one on things like parody films that are out there and just Bond in popular culture. There's a lot to talk about. Our, and, and not... To- and not to forget, uh, never say never again. Yes. Never. Um, you, you did mention the canon. Uh, I'm not sure if that exists in the Well, canon, the, the side canon, uh, as well as like <laughs> the, the 58,000 versions of Casino Royale that were released in like the yeah, 50s. Yeah, uh, the, the 50s one, which I'm saving myself for, yeah. for a special occasion. I'm not going to watch yeah. it. And I've never watched it and I'm saving it. Just for this. Oh, <laughs> saving it till you're married and you're in love and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But, uh, so I don't want to watch American with, James Bond yet. Yes. <laughs> along with James Pond. The oh, <laughs> God, you can, we're getting our listeners so excited right now. They just want to skip through to all of this. When we get to James Pond, oh, goodness. <laughs> I just um, want to do that right now. <laughs> 
So, uh, do we want to talk about uh, the structure of this? Uh, you mentioned we were going through in order. Um, so, uh, we haven't really planned it out too much, to be completely well, honest. But are we just going to be talking through each movie? Um, I guess if you're wanting a real in-depth analysis of each movie... Uh, Watch it. I don't know if we're the podcast <laughs> for you. <laughs> but we'll try and have a fun and try and give some tidbits. But if you're a super fan, you probably know it all anyway, I'm sure. Well, uh, I think we, for the most part, um, have discussed... Yeah, we will do it a bit in order and do exactly that. And we're, we're going to have some fun things to go through each of the films. So we'll, we're going to organise it. Of course, we've seen all the Bond movies plenty of times between the three of us. But we'll re-watch them in the lead-up so we're fresh-minded going into it. We might see things we haven't seen in our previous 38 watchings of the films. And we'll keep <laughs> keep tallies of, you know, fun little things like how many women he beds and how many people he killed and all that sort of stuff. But uh, we, we also came up with an idea, which we might implement. We don't know yet that um, in, in instead of... Doing Doing it in order, we could always do a random draw where at the end of, say, Dr. No, we pull out of a, a Bond film out of a hat. But, of course, we do want to keep it in uh, some order that we can see the development of the film over the years, of course, because, you know, 1962 Bond is a little bit different to 2012 Bond. Um, well, um, I'm, I'm all for the uh, the order, but I would be fascinated if anyone's listening to this. I, one thing we weren't completely sure on was... Say Never Again and Casino Royale. Um, <laughs> like, maybe you could let us know, like, do we do Never Say Never Again when we're doing Thunderball? Do we do it when we're doing Octopussy? Do we do it at the end, randomly in the middle? off with all the other non-canons. Yeah, mm. so I'd love to hear from people with, because um, we'll do whatever you want. If you're listening to us, we'll do, <laughs> we'll do it. Wow. Hello, George. Okay, then. Um, we're just, <laughs> I mean anything. We've just established that we have uh, turned into that type of podcast. Fair enough. <laughs> um, that's where we're going wrong with all our other ones. But, uh, I mean, in terms of this episode, as I said, we're just going to go over a few things and look towards uh, the future. And I guess uh, we will start off with probably the most generic way of doing it, is in how we got involved in James Bond. What what is it about James Bond that we like so much? And, and for those who have listened to previous podcasts that uh, we have produced under the Oz Network, um, you would be used to a certain format where, say, for example, I myself would be uh, introducing people to talk to and sort of acknowledge them and go to them and, and as the host. But this is a fair playing field. You would have noticed um, through your iTunes browser that it's not just my name as a host of this show. It is uh, mine, Collins, and no. We're all equal spread here, so that when we do win all the awards, uh, we have to share the uh, trophy for a third of the year as well in the future. But uh, starting off in that aspect, um, I will answer my own question, and then we will go to Colin and then Nara, and we, again, spread it out. So in terms of actually liking James Bond, I, I think it's I, this might be the same for you guys, but obviously my dad uh, was a big fan. Well, he's a big fan of James Bond, so... Uh, we do a dad cast? A dad cast? We could. I uh, <laughs> I don't know how that would work. My dad doesn't even have, like, Facebook or Twitter. I don't even know if he knows how to use <laughs> Skype. Uh, although I could actually go to his my house. My dad doesn't know what Facebook is. Uh, yes. But, uh, so, yeah, so growing up, you know, we'd go to the video store. There you go, kids, if you're listening. You used to have this magical place where you'd go and rent a movie. <laughs> you wouldn't have the internet to download it. You'd actually have to go to another location and then bring it back home again and return it within a couple of days. Uh, but we'd always rent a bunch of the James Bond movies and uh, watch them together. And I think my first one I remember really watching was Goldeneye, uh, you know, child of the 90s. Got to grow up with those sort ones and then of course playing golden iron nintendo 64 which i'm sure we will talk about in another episode and uh from there it sort of uh came to to watching them all we rent different ones and um i think i've seen every bond movie that has been in the movie since the world is not enough i don't think i saw tomorrow never dies in the movie sadly um and yeah sort of since said my my fancy has taken to bond i've uh done school projects on it i've um bought <laughs> I can vouch books that. and magazines on it and i've it's a, an obsession of mine that i've had probably since i was about eight years old so about 20 years we can say now i guess so that's my story but, but what is it what, what what is it what is it about it that you love it love it so well, much that's or? that's a great question Noah. it's i i think it comes down to the fact that 
for for from a male's perspective, it's kind of the cliche that you know every man deep down would love to be a bit of James Bond. He le- he leads his glamorous lifestyle. He's his spy. He's you know suave and sophisticated. He has any woman he particularly wants, and um, you know goes to the medical center the next day and checks for sexually transmitted diseases. Of course, to be um, completely uh, safe in two thousand uh, the two thousand and tens. Um, but yeah, it's. It's just fascinating, and I like a good action movie. They're fun, um, and something we'll talk a lot about, of course, is the old-style Bond movies, which were very fun and OTT compared to <laughs> the serious nature and the realistic nature of uh, the Daniel Craig era. But it's just something that kind of sticks with you, and it's just something that I've always been drawn to, I guess. Good question, though, Noah. Well done. Oh, I <laughs> I didn't have anybody to introduce me to James Bond, uh, so... I have a vague recollection of maybe one or two of the movies being on TV when I was growing up. Uh, I probably knew what James Bond Jr. was before I had seen any of the movies. <laughs> but I think most people, like most people, even if you've never seen a James Bond movie, you're familiar with who James Bond is as a character and all the cliches and everything. So you could watch a movie like Austin Powers or something like that and you get the jokes. So it was around the same time when GoldenEye came out, I had an interest in seeing it. And I eventually did see it, but maybe was just a little bit too young at the time. Uh, I I remember liking the movie. I rented it on more than one occasion, but it didn't get me as obsessed with it as uh, Tomorrow Never Dies did, actually. So when Tomorrow Never Dies came out, uh, I remember seeing that in the theater. And maybe because that one played up more on all those cliches that myself and everybody else was familiar with, and it had some of the bad jokes and you know cheesy villain plots. Uh, when I saw that, I got really into it. And I actually was lucky that the day I saw Tomorrow Never Dies, I was in the middle of winter and I came home and I sat down in my room and turned on the TV and there's a channel, anybody in uh, least America, but maybe some in Canada too would know a channel called TBS. They used to do Bond marathons. So the very day I saw Tomorrow Never Dies, they were airing a marathon of Dr. No, Goldfinger, and Thunderball. So I watched those. I just started one after watching Tomorrow Never Dies. And you're like, well, let me see one of these old ones and end up spending the whole night watching it. So uh, one day watching four Bond movies, I mean, that was pretty much it. From that point on, uh, I just got more and more obsessed with it with each movie that came out. I think uh, Colin is lucky in that regard because I don't know if you uh, remember this, Ben, in Australia, uh, let's just say, if you're not from here, Australian TV sucks. Um, and they they play them nowadays, <laughs> like maybe once a year they play all the, all the films. But back in the day, they would only play the latest film from the movies. Um, and they would just repeat that over and over. They would never play any old ones. So for a long time, like Sean Connery was just things I saw at the video store or, uh, or knew about before I even got to see them. I'm not sure if you had that same experience, Ben, with television and Bond movie. I Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I, I remember that they would often play them late at night. It would be like a, you'd be watching TV on a Saturday night and at like 11.50, like Live and Let Die would be on or something like ridiculous like that. And I think that nowadays it's improved because not only of the number of channels, but I think a lot of the channels um, fight a lot for the rights for the Bond movies. And then generally what they do now, and it's not just with the James Bond movies. I noticed recently they did it with Jurassic Park and they're doing it with Terminator at the moment. They will then play the older movies sort of in the lead up to the release of the new one to kind of let people get in the mood, I guess, for the new one that's coming out the franchise. So that... I think Channel 9 recently, haven't they, Noah, bought the rights to them because there was a, there was a period there where they played all of them. Like, each week there would be a different James Bond movie on, and they did it for a good couple of months. I don't know if they played them all, but, um, you know, you're absolutely right with that. I remember growing up that it was very hard to actually see an older James Bond movie on TV. Yeah, I don't think uh, between 2002 and 2006 anyone in Australia was fighting for the rights for James Bond movies, but... Uh, he's cool again, so um, these later ones have really pushed it back into popularity after Die Another Day, but we'll talk about that sometime in the future. But um, My story is pretty much the same as you two, a mix. Um, cliche is your dad. Um, my dad likes James Bond movies, but he wasn't a massive fan. Like He probably could tell you all the actors, but then, or maybe not George Lazenby. Um, hey. But, <laughs> but, but 
like I don't think he knows many of the films or remembers a lot of it. Like he grew up around Roger Moore, so he likes Roger Moore the best and knows those movies. His favorite is Live and Let Die, but he wasn't really too much into it. I just kind of stumbled on it, I guess. Um, obviously, I hate that I'm that guy, but I will say that GoldenEye, the game, had a lot to do with uh, me getting into James Bond, and I'm. Ben, uh, Video City, the video store. <laughs> Good they times. Have them all there. Where can you go? <laughs> video <Yeah>. City. <laughs> <laughs> on VHS. Yes. You'd go in. Yes. Um, you would just stare at the covers and like, oh, I want to see this one and this one. And I can only get five time, this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you would see them over time. Summer holidays, you would watch them. Um, and But... One that always infuriated me is they didn't have them all. So, like, it was very much later in my life that I saw The Living Daylights and Octopussy. Because for some reason, those two just never wanted to be at my local video store compared to all the other ones. But, um, yeah, and that continued on to DVD. And I just loved it from as early as I can remember. It's one of the earliest films that I've always loved watching. And it's just action, hot women, gadgets explosions um goofy comedy like it's everything i love and more so uh similar story to you two i guess really how long did because i think we all said the same thing you know we had to rent them at the time and marathons even here they would air bond marathons but you'd catch maybe six movies a year and then they'd move on to something else so we all kind of went through the process of renting them and I have the same thing as Noah. It's like you go and you get this one, but this one's out. Or this video store has three of them, but they don't have, you know, four or whatever. How long did it actually take you guys to get through the entire series from when you saw the first movie to when you saw when you caught up with I it? Think, I think um, I did this. I remember when I first got a DVD player. I had a PlayStation 2. Um, and, I mean, that was a big deal back in the early 2000s to get that DVD player. Again, people who are of a certain age would laugh at that. But, I mean, we, I think we all know. We were all there. Colin Norso and I, I don't know how you would know because you would have been a bit younger than us, but when DVDs first came out, how much of a big deal that was. So I think um, when I first got a DVD player, I still kind of wasn't in that mindset of getting DVDs because they were very expensive back then. And for like a 14-year-old, like, you know, I get $10 a week pocket money. So mm. I was still very much... Was it- new uh, venture yeah exciting the whole DVD yeah thing. yeah but so like my, I was still very VHS focused so what I used to do is I would get I would rent them from Video City good times that's where you go Video City <laughs> um, and I would connect the DVD player the PlayStation 2 up to the VHS player and I would record them yeah. on the <laughs> VHS <laughs> So, and you had to get a certain type because they were copy protected yeah. and sometimes they would fuck up completely and you couldn't actually watch them properly. So anyway, long story short, the process that I would do is in the school holidays, I would rent them, put them onto VHS and then I would watch them gradually. So I think kind of, I was maybe 15, 14 when I'd seen them all because dad and I would rent them, but dad would get his favourite. So dad was never like, oh, let's go in order of what. Um, of the Bond movie, so he would like he loved Sean Connery, so I'd seen all the Sean Connery ones quite young you know, he liked Brosnan, I mean by that stage it was, you know, again, World's Not Enough Tomorrow Never Dies, Goldeneye um, and then he wasn't a huge Roger Moore fan, which uh, we'll get to throughout this, no doubt, but um, but he would show me, like Moonraker I'd seen so many times because, you know, I had the space element and I think Octopussy was one of the ones that I'd seen very early, and then the, the Timothy Dalton ones, but you know, there, there was you know, Spy Who Loved Me, you know, and and uh, For Your Eyes Only, they were some of the last ones I'd seen. and um, So I'd, I'd probably say maybe 14, 15, I want to say, possibly, when I'd seen them all. Yeah. See, for me, I... Or, oh, you yeah, go, no, Tom. you go first. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> Why not? I, well, I'm, I'm pretty much... I'll say Canadian, both of you. I'm, oh, no, I'm, you go. No, well, you go. Oh, sorry. I'm pretty much exactly the same as Ben. I saw my first one probably <laughs> when I'm five, and the same with the whole video thing. And then Octopussy probably when I was about 15, so it actually took quite a long time, but like, I'd seen Diamonds Are Forever like 10 times and that, but then there was just these few I could never get, and like when you're that age, you can't really afford to go out and buy these things, but and then uh, I'll just add on that, I loved my uh, DVD video player combo, uh, if you remember those. <laughs> yes. um, I've still got it somewhere, but, but pretty much the same as Ben, really. What about you, Colin? 
Well, I did the exact same thing that Ben did. I would record them from the DVD onto the VHS. <laughs> I'd even record the special features on there. Yes, me too. <laughs> so I could watch the making ofs. And, uh, yes. I, like I said, Tomorrow Never Dies was when I really got into it. So I didn't see it when it first came out. So sometime, you know, early 1998 was when I started watching these. And it probably took me about three, three and a half years before I finished them all. It was, it was before Die Another Day came out. Obviously, I'd caught up, but. One of the reasons was, as you guys said, it takes a while to find some of these, but I was adamant that you see some bad movies, and I wanted to save the ones that I had heard were some of the best for last. So the last ones that I watched were The Spy Who Loved Me and From Russia With Love, and I watched those last intentionally because I wanted to leave off at that point on a good note from what I understood about the movies. So it probably took me a little bit longer just because I didn't want to rush into watching those two, I'm like, let me wait and see some of these lousier movies first before I see the last two. I will say that Honor Majesty's Secret Service was one of the first ones I'd watch because my dad was like, oh, did you know there was an Australian James Bond? And um, <laughs> I was like, no, don't be silly. And of course, you know, we, we love think, him um, in Australia. And hello to George Lazenby who's listening to this. Hello, right George. Uh, he's our boss, by the way. But you are listening. Um... Uh, George, George is like our boss and our editor. Uh, it's a bit of a secret. We didn't really want to reveal too early, but well, fuck it, we have. So, George, um, thanks I for think, doing what you're doing. Um, the first one I ever owned, not the first one I watched, the first I watched probably got on, I can't quite remember, but the first one I ever owned was From Russia With Love on VHS. Um, I used to always rent them, and I didn't do this uh, legal copying or anything (laughs) shifty (laughs) like that, but... Neither um, did we! I remember that was the first one I owned, because I got it for cheap, because it was probably 2004 or so that, that they were phasing all the videos out, so I managed to pick it up for quite cheap. And just opening the video, I'm not sure if it was the same because the region one in Canada is probably quite different covers than that. But Ben, you would know this on the inside, the inlay of the VHS and the DVDs, I think they listed all the movies and the covers of them. And mm. like, and you would yeah. just, I just remember staring at these covers and yes. like memorizing them all without having seen them and just looking at the pictures yep. and like, Oh, Thunderball, that looks like a watery one. I can't wait to see that. And they, w- they would list all the pictures of the movies, and I just remember spending way too much time um, looking at those pictures in the, well, in the DVDs. Because this, of course, yeah, I was exactly the same. Because, like, look, this is, again, the early 2000s. Like, yeah, the internet was there. But, I mean, I didn't get the internet at home till I was, like, 17. So, you know, I if I had to want to go on the internet, I had to go to school or go to my local library. And it's not like today where you can just whip out your phone and be like, oh, fuck, what year did Goldeneye come out again? I forgot. Google straight away. Like, these were back in those days where you had to do that. And I would rent books from the library. Um, you know, people used to do that. And you used to, you know, get really excited about it. And... And I, I think the first one I sort of had a proper copy of was Goldeneye. I think I got it for Christmas one year just because I was so obsessed with playing the, the video game. Um, and it kind of it went from there. And I, I think, too, and I don't know how it was in Canada, Colin, but, like, with the video releases, I mean, it's not like today where, you know, they're always re-releasing the, the DVDs in some form of special feature, special, um, you know, edition and box sets every time the new one comes out. And, you know, there's so many different versions of them out there. I think sort of in the 90s, from what I remember, there was kind of like one version of the video that you could get. Um, if a store didn't have it, it was hard to sort of order a video back in that time. And it was kind of like, you know, you were paying $30 for a video back in like the 1990s, which is generally what you pay for a DVD sort of today. And it's sort of, I think, maybe, Noah, what you were talking about with the covers, I think it was around World Is Not Enough that they did then go and re-release them all because... They have a habit of doing but it might be in the lead up to Die Another Day, though, because, of course, that was the 50th anniversary, wasn't it? Well, so they, uh, The 40th anniversary, sorry. So they had, like, a big nostalgia feel to it back then. So, no, I, I don't know about that, but, Colin, I don't know how it was in Canada sort of back then. Well, it was the same thing, like, before we had the DVDs, or I guess DVDs were coming out, but, I mean, I didn't get a DVD player until, I think, 2000, so late 90s. The VHS is it's exactly like you said, there weren't re-releases. So I remember some of the ones that I was getting, I'm looking at these covers and like this thing was made in 1984. You know, it's a copy of uh, You Only Live Twice, but it's like a video from 1984 and it's all scratchy. And uh, there, I remember with uh, From Russia With Love, there was like a blank spot at the end, the last scene of the movie. 
where it was just as he's riding in the boat at the end where it was about 10 seconds where there was no picture and i'm like oh i need to know what happens during that 10 seconds but um <laughs> with with the re-releases it was 1999 i think because uh when they made all of the documentaries that later appeared on the dvds uh i think those ones are copywritten around 1999 and i know that the mm -hmm. production company like they all all those documentaries say world is not enough production so i would assume around the time as a world's not enough is when they started doing the re-releases i remember um some of my vh and i've still got all these by the way all my vhs's um over the time i've collected a fair few of the movies but they would put they would do the special editions like the dvds but they would put the the making odds on the VHS at the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And they would yep. put trailers on that. I remember yep. wasting way too much of my life fast forwarding, rewinding, trying to get, <laughs> oh, I missed that trailer and trying to, and trying to watch these special features. At the, that just blows my mind, special features on a VHS video. But the, the thing that you miss, I feel, with, the one thing I miss about VHSs, is particularly when you rented them, it was like going to the movies because they would always have a string of trailers yeah. before you got to and the movie. And the VHS family. And yes, the the, <laughs> <laughs> the copy. Yes, oh, that one. <laughs> they went through like G, P, G, M. <laughs> oh, God, the joy. But, you know, I, and they, they did that so often with the... And it wasn't just James Bond movies. I know they did that with a lot of other ones. But, um, yeah, that was great. One thing that I think I just want to sort of get feelings on other people when we'll move on to sort of talking about um, Spectre and trailers and some other things as well. But, um, no, I mean, Colin, you touched on it that it was Tomorrow Never Dies was the first one you saw at the movies. Uh, in terms of, like, ones, the, maybe the one that you in the lead up really then started to get excited for. I think it was kind of, for me, it was like, World is Not Enough because I remember my dad, um, we went and saw it. It came out sort of near Christmas from memory, and we went and saw it, and it was like the last week of school, and it was my last year of primary school, so we saw it, and I was all very excited for it, and that was great, but I think the real one that I was, was Die Another Day, because, you know, you sort of remember that a little bit more in your early teens rather than I was like 12 when World is Not, World is Not Enough came out, but when Die Another Day came out, you know, that was when the internet was sort of at school, so my friends and I were watching, you know, trailers that would load very slowly back in 2002 and getting all excited. Comedy and, parody. Yeah, and it was great. And, like, you know, because within that time, you'd caught up a lot more in the Bond movies, and by that stage, things like, you know, song downloading was around, so you would download, like, the songs from the movies, and I don't know, it just... Except for Die Another Day, you don't download No, I downloaded that quite a lot, <laughs> and trust me, when we get to that music one, I'm going to be defending the shit out of that song. Um, but, um, don't lose yeah. our viewers. Um, so I guess kind of it was a long-winded question of that. Like, yeah, was was that Tomorrow Never Dies for you then, Colin? Like, was in the lead up to that, or was it really World Is Not Enough? Getting super excited for the release of it coming out. It was definitely the World's Not Enough because I got into the series, really got into it in between those two, and I can remember when the World Is Not Enough came out. Uh, it was one of those things where I was counting down the day, and I was there opening day to see it in the theater. I think I ended up seeing it. it another thing that's different is how long it took for movies to come out on video after that because i think i saw the world is not enough three times in the theater alone um i even paid one time for my sister to go with me just because she was like well bond's bond's stupid like i'm like oh it's not stupid i'll, I'll show you it's not stupid i paid for her. <laughs> but I'll, I'll agree with you die another day I, I think again because there's this evolution of you get really into james bond and then you get really into james bond so by the time it was coming up to the 20th anniversary die another day uh, even though World's Not Enough was the one where I was first time I was really excited and got to experience this as a fan, Die Another Day was so much bigger. And, you know, whatever people's opinion on the movie is, the lead up to that, it was kind of like the lead up to a Star Wars movie or an Avengers movie or whatever. I mean, it was such a big deal back in 2002. Everywhere you looked, it was just James Bond's 40th anniversary, 20th movie. It was such a big deal at the time that I don't think there's anybody who wasn't excited before that came out. For me, that was more... Uh, I remember Die Another Day coming out. I didn't get to see it, but I remember all the, the parodies, the trailers, just the hype. But for me, a lot of that was Casino Royale, just because that four years off the air between Die Another Day and Casino Royale really felt much longer, to me anyway, maybe not to you guys, than the four years between Quantum and Skyfall. Like That seemed oh, like... Yeah. So long since we've had a new James Bond, and it was a new actor, and it was just 
um, back to the roots and yeah so a lot of that for me was Casino Royale and I remember um, convincing my dad to let me skip school and he skipped work and I managed to <laughs> convince him and we went first day first showing in Hobart um, and yeah a lot of that hype for me was that film was that four years gap between Die Another Day and like you had the everything or nothing game and that and it's like is because I didn't read the internet or anything. I'm like, is Pierce Brosnan still Bond and that? Like, to me, Pierce Brosnan is Bond to 2005, not to 2002, because he he was just still in all the games and still the face of Bond for a long time. So I consider his run longer than Die Another Day. And we'll we'll talk about that when we come to talking about our favourite Bonds and all that, and obviously as we go through each movie. But uh, we all personally have a connection to a certain Bond, whether or not you think they're your um the best or not and for the most part all of us and maybe more so now for you it might be a bit more Daniel Craig because you're a little bit younger than us but I think for obviously for Colin it's and I it's definitely not Daniel Craig alright well <laughs> I suppose kind of like I guess Colin and I then you would have a real connection to Pierce Brosnan and, and for a lot of our older yes, listeners yes, a lot of our older listeners that would be Roger Moore and for a lot of our older, older listeners that would be Sean Connery like, like my dad to him it's Sean Connery and you know I've talked to a lot of people and it's it's obviously that connection but you know we'll we'll talk about that no to doubt. me to me the face of Bond and he's not even my favorite maybe we'll rank them he might be third or fourth and but to me the face of Bond is Brosnan just because that was when I was getting into it and he again as I said he was in it for so long after Die Another Day in the games I played so to me I will always associate the face of Bond to Brosnan, but he's not my favourite. I have to admit, he's my favourite. <laughs> Have I just alienated our listeners? <laughs> well, no, I think you did that when you said you'll defend the shit out of Die Another Day, the song. I um, will, and the movie. Can I just say the movie's a little bit underrated, like 13 years old? Ben, Ben! <laughs> we just lost 10 listeners just then. I actually, I will say, in the lead-up to Skyfall, that was the 10-year the anniversary of Die Another Day, and I need to find this article, actually. It was a brilliant article where this like well-respected film critic was like, Die Another Day is actually a brilliant movie 10 years later. And he went into detail, and like, because he ripped shit into, like, you know, the, the crappy special effects and things like that. But he actually, like, went into detail about how it was so good, and it made a lot of sense. And then he was, like, going on to sort of say, like, now we've got these James Bond movies with Daniel Craig in it, which are, you know, this type of format, whereas Die Another Day was, you know, this, it was fun, it was over the top. And I'll find it. I'll find it, and I'll put it on our website. James Bond pizza even when it's bad it's good ah i've never heard that quote before um anyway <laughs> but so, i truly believe it. yes um and you'll never hear it again never again <laughs> ever never say never again <laughs> <laughs> um spectre it's the the latest bond film that is uh due out at the end of 2015 the fourth in the Daniel Craig series he's fourth in 9 years we've got a couple of trailers that have circulated out at the time of recording this in a, in a very big year of movies 2015 i feel it's it's almost I don't want to say I've forgotten that it's coming out because obviously I would step down as one of the hosts of this show if I'm sort of ignoring that there's a new James Bond movie coming out. But, I mean, 2015, there has been so many big movies being released in such big series. You know, we've had a new Avengers movie, a new Jurassic Park movie, Terminator. Obviously, the talk a lot is Star Wars that is coming out at the same time. So it's it's one of those um, years where there's so many different series that people are getting excited about. But I guess in terms of seeing the trailers, it looks quite good. We're, we're moving now into this sort of reboot where we're going to see some of these characters from the older movies in a newer format. And in true teaser trailer format, there's not a whole lot given away and there's sort of not a whole lot of details out there. But I would love to hear each of your opinions on, on how it is looking and, and what you expect, I guess, from this new James Bond movie. Uh, I'm I'm not sure if what we're seeing from the trailers is how the movie's going to turn out. Uh, this looks like, from all the promotion, the images are being released, the the behind-the-scenes footage, the poster, the trailers, it's looking like a big throwback. And I'm not sure if that's how the movie itself's going to end up or if that's just a very smart way of promoting it. But I definitely think that they are playing up on that, either in the movie itself or just the promotion, uh, because of how well people responded to things like bringing back Q and Money Penny, and I think 
obviously, most obviously, it would be the the Aston Martin from Skyfall, the original one with the the button for the ejector seat and the the classic you know guitar picking theme song during that scene. Uh, I think people really have wanted something that's more of a throwback. So even aside from rebooting, obviously putting Spectre back in it, it's kind of a new origin with Blofeld. We're going to eventually see just little things they're doing, like the, 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 the palace in the middle of the Alps, obviously on Her Majesty's Secret Service, and the poster, if anybody's found comparisons online or even noticed it themselves, the outfit that Daniel Craig's wearing, including his gun strap, is exactly like uh, Roger Moore's in Live and Let Die, right before the end of the movie. So it's interesting how they've played up so far as playing this as a big throwback. And I think that's what's going to set it apart. I mean, I'm definitely not forgetting this movie as we're getting close. I mean, Star Wars and James Bond, those are like the two biggest things for me. Um, but I, I I think that seeing these these things that are obviously referencing on Her Majesty's Secret Service, From Russia with Love, Live and Let Die, that's making it more exciting leading up to it. I think um, they really need to do this whole throwback thing and... I, I agree with what you're talking about, but I also, yeah, like as you said, I don't know if it will be like that because, um, and I think they're going a little bit overboard with the whole Spectre thing, which I'm excited to see Spectre back and, like, seriously, screw Quantum. <laughs> I could not give a shit about Quantum. Like, bring on Spectre, even though uh, we had uh, what Mr. White, I think that's his name, right, in the trailer. Uh, you're a kite, <laughs> yeah. uh, Mr. Bond. So. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so, uh, fill, fill in the blanks. So, um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're a beep, Mr. Bond. Um, so obviously there's going to be a quantum connection to tie in with uh, the first two Craigs. But I think they're getting a bit of ahead of themselves with the Spectre thing. Like, yeah, we got the rights back to Spectre. Let's call the movie Spectre. Like... Um, that was a bit too much for me. Like, I'm not a fan of the title. I've learned to accept it, but, like, it's a bit too much. All right, um, this guy isn't Blofeld, and, like, yeah, whatever. We know it's Blofeld. Um, he's, he, uh, Christoph is so Blofeld, but we'll touch on that. But, um, yeah, it looks like a bit of a throwback, but then you watch the trailer, and the trailer was freaking awesome, but they mentioned... Uh, here's something left over from Skyfall and you've got a connection bond and I'm like, oh, really? Like, do we have to keep going with this? Like, at the end, and I'm sorry if I'm rambling here, I've just been trying to get everything out I've been building up, but at the end of Skyfall, I always thought that should be the end of Craig because it was like, it's kind of like a reboot prequel series and by the end of Skyfall, we've learned his past We've brought in Q and Money Penny. We've got um, a different M now in the padded door <laughs> office, Judy and it, um, and we're like, all right, we're back to the basics. We've got the padded door, and we're on a mission. So I was really hoping Spectre would be a film where the pre-titles have nothing to do with any of the rest of the movie. The start of the movie is Craig goes in to finds, uh, and he gives the mission. And we go off and do the mission. Like I was really hoping we would be back to the the basics, but it feels like we're going to continue on with this ongoing plotline threads. And like I don't know if you guys see that at all, uh, or if you're you don't want it to go back to the originals, or you want it to continue, or what? I'm not sure, but I'm a bit mixed feelings on. I I wanted to go back to the originals. <laughs> like we we again, we, this is something that we will discuss a lot of uh, throughout this podcast over the the coming months. But as as good as the Daniel Craig era of James Bond films is, a lot of the time it doesn't feel super James Bondy because they've got this darker, more serious tone. And I can see what they're doing. They've, they've attracted a new level of fans, and they're good movies. But for a lot of us who have grown up and on James Bond movies where, yeah, they're you know not going to win Oscars, but they're, they're deliberately how they are. You know, you've got a guy wanting to destroy the world with a freaking giant laser beam. Like, I mean, it's it sounds so over the top, but that's what they were. And, again... They've developed it. They've changed it. We've got James Bond how it is. It's it, they're good in their own right, and I think Skyfall was such 
a, a massive hit. I mean, it, it was the first Bond movie, what, to win an, an Oscar or the first one to win one in a very long time. You know, it, it was the first Bond movie to make over a billion dollars in the box office around the world. Um, you know, it was an absolute mega hit. And, you know, the danger that you then see with a follow-up to that is that it's got to try and be as good, if not better. I think we kind of had that a little bit with Quantum of Solace because Casino Royale was such a mega hit at the time that there were so much expectations of uh, the second one and we got Quantum of Solace. So whether or not this lives up to that, I don't know. I will say in terms of sort of bringing back old elements, it's, it's like in any sort of TV show or film series when there's that nostalgia factor. Um, I mean, we had a bit of that in Die Another Day when they try to incorporate elements of every one of the Bond films. <laughs> and we, I knew that. Going, Sometimes a bit obvious. Very obvious. But like, you know, I remember going into it, that was one of the things that I was very excited about. And I remember watching that in the movies going, oh, that's from that, that's from that, that's from that. And over the years, I've gone over on the internet and seen all the other ones that I have missed. So when, like in Skyfall, we see Money Penny's back, you know, Q's back, um, you know, there's all these little things that yeah. are back. You're like, wow, this is great. But then, kind of on touching what you were saying, that it it can go a little bit, I don't know, skew if and a bit too far because. As, as you said, I think you pointed it out perfectly, that you had this three-movie prequel where you're kind of now at this stage where we can get these new missions. As good as it is to kind of see these old elements of Bond being rebooted, do we really need to see Spectre again after all this? We saw that and that. Does, will it work in a, a more serious, darker-toned Bond than it did in, like, you know, Blofeld stroking a white cat with a scar on his face, which just reminds you of Dr. <laughs> Evil now. But anyway. I feel like um, Skyfall was a bit of a letdown for me in that regard, and maybe I'm just too much of an old fan. Um, but, yeah, they brought back Q, Moneypenny and that, but I'm like, this is the 50th anniversary, and I was expecting, all right, this is going to be awesome. There was, like, hardly any Bond, James Bonds. The theme song was hardly used in it. I mean, the main theme, not Skyfall. And I was a bit let down in that regard. And, side note... <clears throat> If Spectre does not have the freaking gun barrel at the beginning of the movie, <laughs> I quit. I'm over this. You walk out of the movie like before a, it even starts. <laughs> yeah, I sound like a massive whinger here. But, I'm with oh, you. Like, just give us the gun barrel. And, like, I remember the director said in the interview, oh, it doesn't fit the tone <sighs> of it. So I'm like, they could easily have had that at the beginning of uh, Skyfall. Like, there was nothing to stop How does that. it fit um, the tone at the end? Yeah, like a quantum at the end. But I, I, I don't know if I agree with you about Don't Bring Spectre back. I'm excited about that. I just think, like, let's just have a classic fun Bond adventure. Do we have to make it about his past and, like, is is Blofeld going to be Bond's older brother or something <laughs> like that? And, like, and like obviously when you said on Skyfall, I think that really changed their direction for the future. And they even delayed Spectre to have the same director uh, for as uh, Skyfall, so um, Sam Mendes is a brilliant Col- director. Sorry to interrupt. He he yeah. is he is brilliant, but do we need? Was it a necess- necessity to have him for Spectre? I'm not sure. And people I are going to tune is. out now because I'm a massive whinger. <laughs> but sorry, Colin. Here, here's the thing. I mean, I think that in every way they're following the pattern of the classic movies. Now the movies are very different because it's a different age, but. In the classic movies, I mean, they use the same directors over and over again. And I think that's kind of what they're trying to get back to, to create more of a consistent tone. Because the Pierce Brosnans, you had a different director each time, and the movies felt like completely different movies. If there's one complaint I have, that would be it. But even aside from that, you know, you were talking about uh, how, you know, the having the end of the Daniel Craig era, just as Skyfall, you know, whether he's ended or not uh, i think the most interesting thing to note is that this origin story they're playing out is very similar to the way it played out in the first four movies of sean connery's era you have casino royale which introduces you know this villain organization in a very subtle way where you don't even realize it's a villain organization until the end unless you're re-watching dr no after seeing the specter movies from the 60s you don't even realize that Blofeld has a part in the story or that Spectre really has any significance other than just a name being mentioned. Then you had From Russia With Love and Quantum of Solace that actually gets into the organization more. And then you had that one break from the organization in Goldfinger and Skyfall. 
Now, the only difference is the Goldfinger had no connection at all to the others. But then for the fourth movie, they're like, let's get into the real story now of what we've been building slowly. And I like that they seem to be following that pattern of those first four movies. What I would really like to see in them continue to use Spectre is because in the 60s, because of Sean Connery dropping out one movie too early, we never had a proper conclusion to that story. Or even further than that, him coming back after taking one movie off it really gypped us from getting the proper conclusion to that, that story with Tracy and Blofeld and Bond in the first place. So I think this is an opportunity to follow the pattern they use in the original movies and to do it right and give it a proper ending this time. One thing that could be a bit of an issue is obviously the, uh, the trailer has the Spectre octopus and the bullet hole from Majesty's Secret Service. Hello, Lazenby. Um, so... One thing I may have an issue with is, are they going to do the whole Tracy thing again and have this love interest? Because you can't do it, because they've done Vespa, and that was a massive part of the Craig films, that to have another girl come in and then get killed, I'm not sure if it's going to work at all. Uh, But in the books, I mean... it was very important for the Vesper storyline to play out the way it did in the Casino Royale book, in order for the Tracy character to come in on her Magic Secret Service, and you realize for Bond to actually get married, that is a huge deal. So I, I think that if they're going to do something with that, whether they call her Tracy or something else, they're probably going to do something similar to Money Penny, where you don't realize what the story is supposed to be a throwback to until the very end. But I think you have to play that in Daniel Craig's movie. So if he has two or three more to go, let that be the last one. The thing with the, the future of it is that... Um... I mean, a lot of, I feel a lot of any James Bond movie and this style that they're doing also always comes down to just how many films Daniel Craig do. Because, <laughs> well, I mean, you, you get kind of connected to a Bond after a while, and then again, something we'll talk about, and we'll say that a lot, um, is sort of James Bond and the future in terms of, um, you know, Daniel Craig. But you get a lot invested into sort of the Daniel Craig bond and like they might set all these sort of things up that you were talking about, but then what happens if say the next one, it's not Daniel Craig. Do we, do we care the same? Like I know it's more the character than the actor, but for some of the people at the moment who at who have only grown up on Daniel Craig as Bond, they, they haven't gone back and watched the other ones. So to them, this is a new series. Do, do they get invested think, differently? If you know what I mean? I think that's what the issue we, one of the issues, and I really love this film, but I think that's one of the issues with Diamonds Are Forever, is um, that like we had this Lazenby... Hello, Lazenby. Hey, George. Um, <laughs> we had uh, that and the Tracy thing, and I'll defend that to the to the bone. I, I loved Lazenby, and um, oh, I'm really blanking on the actor's name now, but I thought they had great uh, chemistry together. And then... To have Connery come in, and he's like a bit older, a bit chubbier. Um, <laughs> it just really didn't work. Um, a lot of that is the film Diamonds Are Forever. But, yeah, I think there would be something in if they got rid of Craig and then brought in this other person. Um, but um, I think they need to wrap up the whole storyline within the Craig films. And I just read an article that he's going to be in till 2020, apparently. So that's at least two more films after Spectre, surely. So I think they should wrap it up. Um I'd be interested to know what you guys think about um, Quantum being a part of this and they had Mr. White in there. Obviously, that was their version of Spectre in Casino Royale and Solace. Um, To be honest, I couldn't give two shits. I would be happy if that was just dead in the water and they forgot about that. I don't like this whole idea that Spectre is Quantum or Quantum is Spectre or they're working together or something. Um, Do you guys want this plot line to continue on or are you happy to see it gone well, like obviously it will be a part of it i was going to say that maybe it's, it's i reckon it's more of like a precursor like as you were saying that and probably everybody's saying it out there too that quantum is spectre or there's like a spin-off or like you know there's the whole time quantum has been run by spectre or you know it's like it's one of these things it's kind of like the 24 style element of villains that uh, if you ever watch a series of 24 you always assume that there's this big ass villain but then by about a third of the way into it there's actually a bigger villain and then by the last third of it there's a bigger bigger villain which has been running the two previous villain villains more so than that one so maybe that's something there but i don't know like Again, kind of being a whinger like you, Noah, um, I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of 
I mean, I, I say bring back the one villain per movie. Like, you know, do we need to have a long-running um, organisation of criminals? Can't we just have, like... Um... Well, I, I think, I think um, it maybe makes it a bit more... Well, let's not talk about realistic, because that's it's stupid. James but Bond. it makes it a bit more connected. That, but um, I'd be happy if they had, like, a, a Blofeld continue on or something. But at the same time, I'm... The reason why Skyfall was so successful, it's like Javier Bardem, and it's like, mm. all right, this is just fresh. It was like um, Quantum of Solace. We'll talk about that movie a lot, but um, yeah, Colin, what are your thoughts on Quantum being in it? Okay, well, first of all, I I'll agree with what I think you're alluding to. I mean, Quantum of Solace had a terrible villain, but yeah, I, there was a villain I'm in Quantum of Solace. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm of the opinion that, especially the more I watch Quantum of Solace, I think that the most underrated thing about it was how interesting of an idea the Quantum organization was. So I kind of always wanted to see more of Quantum. I think it's such a great idea that there's this specter-like organization, but it's run by respectable people. You know, it's government employees and uh, respected philanthropists. And I think for that reason, because of how they establish what quantum is, I don't think they will be Spectre because Spectre is something completely different. Uh, but there could be a connection to it. I mean, in the books, Spectre, you know, you had loose connections to another organization that was in the earlier book, Smurf. Smurf. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I laugh every time I hear that name. <laughs> and even Smirch. when you look at the, the, the movies, I mean, Dr. No, he was an associate. He wasn't a member of Spectre. He was more of an associate. So if they are following uh, that same formula from those movies, I think it would be a very cool idea to have Quantum be somehow under association or maybe something even better than that, where this whole idea is that Quantum is controlling things without people realizing it. You know, they have control of this, they have control of that. We have people everywhere that what ends up happening is that we get a little bit of quantum in Spectre, only to find out that there's one member of quantum that's actually working for Spectre, and Spectre takes them over from the inside. It's like a hostile takeover. So that's how I'd kind of like to see it play out. But I do want to see the quantum storyline be concluded somehow. I think that could make for a good Bond film where there's two villains. There's the Spectre and the quantum, and they're going head-to-head. And Bond mm. doesn't really have any investment in it, but then he gets wrapped up in the whole thing and they've got to figure out who he's going to help. And, like, um, you just see these two massive corporations, like, going head-to-head in a world, like, James Bond tries to stop World War Three. Like Hashtag you know, Team Spectre, like, hashtag Team Quantum. Yeah, like, you got... Bond the, 24, and... Spectre versus Quantum <laughs> versus Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, you, do, you, you, you don't make it, like, one's... One's the goodies, one's the baddies. It was like, all right, I'm siding with Quantum, I'm siding with Spectre, and they're just going head-to-head, and then Bond's wrapped in the middle of it. I think that could make for a good one. One thing I do miss, and um, this is, again, harking back to these the older Bonds, is that you go into a James Bond movie, you clearly knew who your James Bond was. You always then knew who your main villain was, your villain's henchman, and then usually had your two Bond girls. One would be the one that he'd sleep with at the beginning, then she turned out to be evil and he'd have to kill her at the end. And then, of course, you've got the good one that, you know, she'd, he'd end up in the, in the moonlight with, you know, saying that Christmas comes more than once a year. But, like, it's it's, you know... You don't have that as much in a Daniel Craig movie. Like, yeah, we know that, like, um, Javier Bardem was in the last one, obviously, as he was the main villain. We've got Christopher Waltz in this one. But, like, I mean, particularly with the Bond the, the Bond girls, like, they're not as promoted as much anymore. Like, we all knew how much Halle Berry and Rosamund Pike were going to be ones in, in uh, yeah. Diana. Day. They were so heavily promoted as the two new Bond girls. You know, we had Terry Hatcher and um, the the other chicken tomorrow. Never- Show you. That's it, yes. and The other chicken tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, Terry Hatcher was in it for like five minutes, and yet she's promoted yeah. as a Bond girl. Wait, but yet <laughs> Michelle Yeoh is the other one, even though Terry Hatcher was five minutes. <laughs> but you know what I mean. That's, that's what I hated. Well, not hated, but I really didn't like that about Skyfall. It was supposed to be this 50th anniversary, and M was the Bond girl. I know. Money Penny as well. And then. I saw the movie. Yeah. Before I saw it was the movie, like, I remember my brother was asking me, he's like, so who is the main Bond girl supposed to be in this? Because they're promoting all these different characters. So I don't know. And then came home. It's like, so which one was the main Bond girl? I'm like, yeah. I think it was M, actually. 
Yeah, you had random, like, random Russian slight or something <laughs> in Hong Kong for five minutes. Like, hey, that I'm made her career. Of... She's huge in Russia. <laughs> and and while we're talking about uh, Bond girls, Diana Rigg, thanks, Colin. In the, uh, I feel <laughs> like right. idiot, but not getting that. Um, but, yeah, I, I had an issue with that. Inspect- but, Ben, you also mentioned the henchmen. Dave Bautista, Mr. Hinks is his name. That is going to be an awesome henchman. I can't wait. Like, that's what films have been lacking, a good henchman. And I think he is going to be an awesome classic-style henchman. I'm well, so excited for I'm very excited for Christopher Waltz because, I mean, this guy, I he's won two fucking Oscars in the last, like, five years, and I still feel he is not as big as he should be. Like, I mean, outside of Quentin Tarantino movies, do people really know who Christopher Waltz is? He was, like, in one of the Muppet movies, and that's his other big role. <laughs> but he's such a good actor. Like, he's, like, I don't know, like, in, in Glorious Bastards, like, just the star of that movie. And I, I will say I haven't seen the other one that he got the Oscar for. Um, Django. Django, thank you. It slipped my mind. Um, but, I mean, he's, that's amazing. he's such a good actor. And, like, it's kind of like Javier Bardem. He it's like, he's such a good actor. And he was robbed of not getting an, an Academy Award nomination for fucking Skyfall. Let's be honest. He was brilliant in that movie. Um, well, we're talk- talking about him. Um, obviously, he's Blofeld, surely. Unless they're pulling one up on us and someone else will be Blofeld. But... Monica Bellucci is Blofeld. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wouldn't surprise me based on some of these articles I'm reading on the internet these days that probably will be. Um, but, like, <laughs> we want Blofeld. That's, and I don't actually know if I can answer the question, but do we want Blofeld or do we want him to just be a different villain? I want him to be like Thunderball. I want him to be... Uh, the number two, you know, the second in command. Number and then, two. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then in the next one, we get Blofeld. I mean, I think that they need to do something similar where Blofeld's a background character and then you just wait for him. I mean, that, again, that's the, the way to do this with longevity so that people aren't bored with the whole Spectre organization because they got everything they wanted in the first movie. My biggest question will be, will this ultimately lead to him being picked up by a helicopter and dropped down a chimney stack? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's how uh, Craig's, Craig 5 will end. With and down. will he buy Daniel Craig a delicatessen? <laughs> well, and what I will George Lazenby think of it? I feel yeah. like... Um, oh, yes, please! Lazenby is Blofeld. <laughs> will George Lazenby be working at that delicatessen? <laughs> I really want Lazenby as Blofeld. That's who I'm hoping for. Um, <laughs> Lazenby but, stroking a pussy. Leave it at that. Um, <laughs> we really should be put, taking bets on who within MI6 by the end of the Craig films will be working for Spectre. Right? Is it going to be like, yes, here's a young Q, but... He's a young Q because he's really a Spectre agent or something like Surely someone within MI6 is going to be someone involved in Spectre. You've been watching too much 24, Noah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if Rafe finds, is he going to actually be Blofeld or something ridiculous? Hope not. I can't take Rafe Fiennes seriously because um, Eddie... I don't know if this made international news, Colin, but it was a very big deal in Australia, I think, what, the late 2000s when he slept with a Qantas flight attendant and um, she got quite famous. She was on... Wait, 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 wait. A Qantas flight attendant or a quantum flight attendant? <laughs> well, I can't Dude, think... he was a bad guy. <laughs> but, like, I, every time I see him now, it just reminds me that that woman, the flight attendant, got very famous. She was on, like, 60 Minutes and all these magazines selling a story about how, you know, she bedded Rafe Fiennes on a Qantas flight. And, like, every time I see him now, I'm just thinking, like, how many women did he sleep with on the plane on the way over here? Okay, hold on. <laughs> so, Rafe Fiennes, yeah, he's not... I'm not sure M. about him as He's not Blofeld. Like... He is James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> you should be taking a Craig more serious. is Blofeld. Yes, Craig is Blofeld. Oh, we solved Ray it. Craig is living Blofeld. the of James Bond. <laughs> Craig is Blofeld. Ralph Fiennes is uh, James Bond. And Money Penny is George Lazenby. I still... Th- isn't it... <laughs> does anybody still think it's weird that Voldemort is M? I just... I I'm know. not... I, I, like, I think he'll do a fine job of it, but... It's just, we got quite attached to Dame Judy. Oh, so and, um, attached. It's also weird to I'm... see M with a name. Like, obviously, Judy Dench's M had a name, but, like, they Gareth Mallory was 
Ray finds it. It's like, well, we know he's Gareth now. We're just going to think Gareth. <laughs> Voldemort! <laughs> See, I find it weirder having seen him if, it, if either of you guys saw Red Dragon, the Hannibal Lecter movie. Mm. Like, he is uh, mutated beyond belief in that movie. So that's what I'm always thinking of when I see him as M. <laughs> Can I just say, I've been whinging a lot. I, Spectre looks amazing. I cannot wait. Counting down the days, and the more we talk about it, the more excited I am. Like, those two trailers that came out were perfect trailers, really set up the film, and I think it's going to be really, really one for the books. I think people are going to love this film. We joked about Monica Bellucci, but special note for Monica Bellucci, because I feel this is the first movie she's done since, like, The Matrix Reloaded. So, I mean, I haven't seen her in anything in 12 years. So. <laughs> I think she'll be good, though. She'll be a and good bonder. The oldest Bond girl ever, and yet you'd never know by looking at her. Hmm. She, she hasn't aged much since The Matrix movies. Um, she's a very, very attractive woman. So, um, well, she was in The Passion of the Christ. She done the, the Fumke uh, method of not aging. Right. She was well. She was Mary Magdalene in the Passion of the Christ. Apparently, so she had a, she had a big year between two thousand three two thousand four. Then she was in two Matrix movies, and then she played Jesus's mother. I'm excited that we'll be getting a, a, a good Bond girl, though. Um, either her or again, I'm blanking on the other girl's name, but one of those two will make for a girl, I'm sure. Um, who is the other one here? Leah. Leah yeah, she was in Mission, she was in Mission Impossible. Ah, from Mission so she's Impossible. gone from the shit version of James Bond to the real version of James <laughs> Bond. <laughs> nah, I shouldn't say that about Mission Impossible. I've only seen like one of those movies, so and I actually am I the only person in the world that likes Tom Cruise? I love Tom. Cruise. Oh. I love Mission Impossible. We should do Mission Impossible. Off. Hey, hey, there we go. Um, what's this, how's the theme for that go? I just remember when he's like going down the the thing with the lasers. What is that? <laughs> I'm like, what the? I was about to say that too. Isn't that like Beverly Hills Cop? Beverly Hills Cop. Think of Eddie Murphy now. Well, I would do Beverly Hills Cop over Mission Impossible. I don't like Mission Impossible. Hmm. Awkward silence. <laughs> <laughs> I've only seen the first one. Well, when we do the uh, the one where we talk about sort of the the parodies, I mean, Mission Impossible isn't a parody, but it's it's you know similar films to James Bond. <laughs> well, the like just to show how influential James Bond is. If you look at the sixties. How many of these spy franchises like Mission Impossible or Man from Uncle? They all came out just after James Bond made it big. They were cashing in. Mm. Yes, well, there's a lot to talk about there. I feel, and it's going to be fun. And we've got a whole lot. We've we've sort of covered a lot of Spectre this episode because um, at the end of the day, the, the majority of our episodes will be just very spill uh, film film specific. I just decided to uh, combine film and specific together. So uh, our next episode that we will get to, of course, is Doctor No. Um, yes. <laughs> now, uh. there are two highlights that we are very much looking forward to that involve mice and mangoes. Um, <laughs> shall we just get a bit of this out of the way now, gentlemen? No, that teaser don't. Don't, just to get it out there. Uh, so, what we would like, uh, if you've enjoyed our very first episode of Double Oz 7, uh, feel free to leave us a rating on iTunes and uh, give us some feedback. Of course, we do have a website at the moment. It is simply doubleoz7.wordpress.com and slowly will be updated. Uh, we'll put profiles and episodes and all that sort of stuff up there and um, bear with us as we gradually get it uh, a lot better for you out there but um, Dr. No we are we are looking forward to where, where does Dr. No rank for you Colin out of all the Bond movies uh, probably just outside my top 10 it's it's one of those movies that I don't think I ever looked at it as my very favorite James Bond but it's never moved in my rankings I mean it's it's so good every time you watch it you don't lose anything from it yeah, I, I am much the same. I love Doctor No. <laughs> that is one of my favourites. I'm probably Doctor No is one of uh, their biggest fans. It's one of my favourites, um, even though it's got a lot wrong with it because it's very early. But a lot of people don't like it, and it's definitely up there for me. So I'm excited that we're starting off with a bang. Quite literally, and uh, three blind rice, rice mice. <laughs> God, I just, I'm just going to end this now. I'm, I'm not even. I'm trying to be funny, and I'm talking about rice. Three blind rice <laughs> under the mango tree. Um, <laughs> and to George Lazenby, if you're listening, we're only a few uh, episodes away from on Her Majesty's Secret Service. So uh, 
We, we need a we need a sign off. A, a sign anything. off. Um, well, look, my sign offs usually end quite terribly, so <laughs> I'm open to ideas from you two right now for sign offs. Well, the, the the obvious one is Double Oz Seven will return in, but another podcast has already done that, so we can't do. <laughs> well, look, I feel a lot of other podcasts have done a lot of things, and we usually just take their ideas anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy with that. <laughs> Um, maybe we have something to do with Lazenby. I'm not sure. <laughs> this never happened to the other podcast. And good night. How about that? Uh, <laughs> uh, does that? Does that sound all right? Yeah. Uh, are we going to do a hashtag per episode or? Oh, look. Uh, like, why not? It's it's uh, modern times with Twitter. We can <laughs> stay up to date with the kiddies. Noah, what's your hashtag? Well, it's a way to know if uh, people. And if they have got Twitter or anything. Yes. We actually, uh, at the time we recorded this, haven't created 007 Twitter, but it's coming. Uh, <laughs> so, look, I'll, I'll leave that open to you two. Come up with a, twi- a hashtag each. Hashtag three blind rice. <laughs> yes, three, three, three blind rice is what I think we should go with. I love that. Um, thanks, Ben, for stuffing up um, and Colin for coming up with that. Um, but yes, Doctor No is coming. Um, I'm very excited. Ben, what do you think? You didn't mention what you think about it. Just briefly, you don't want to spoil the whole. Hey, look, I'm not used to being in this position where my opinions actually matter in a podcast. I usually ask the question, and they don't. Oh, good. I'm glad we established that. Just wanted to be look, nice. It's it's not probably one of my favourites, but um, each time I do watch it, it does improve slightly. But um, look. I'm I'm excited over the course of however long it takes um, to see what changes and what stays and what goes down. Up. Sounds like James um, Bond. Because the more we talk about it, uh, the more I'm sure I have differing opinions. I'm excited to see. And weren't we going to do? We were going to rank them as we go or something like. Look, it's that. all might be a fun thing. It's to look all out. very much. Uh, <laughs> we're creating this as we go along. Uh, we, we we thought we'd create this podcast and be very well planned compared to some of the other ones we put together. And as you can see, it hasn't really turned out that way. But that's the Oz Network style. Uh, <laughs> we may... Well, uh, we're open for suggestions from yes. anyone if you're listening out there. Yes, George. George uh, once you edit this, please uh, send us through a carrier pigeon of ideas of what you think will uh, be appropriate after you've had your glass of warm milk and um, listen to us in your slippies. So. Uh, we'd love to hear and yes uh, anybody who has discovered this uh, we'd love to any feedback suggestions much appreciated uh, we will be on Twitter we will be tell us we suck if yes really look want. we're used to that so uh, feel free to continue the tradition and uh, we will continue the tradition of bringing you episodes <laughs> when we feel like bringing them uh, we will try and stick to a bit of a schedule folks so that uh, we get these out for you uh, with enough time to listen before Spectre comes out if not um, well look just deal with it but uh colin and noah to you both thank you very much for uh joining us i I won't be sort of the main chair host in the next episode colin you can you can be in this position in the next episode if you like i'll give you a day off that'll be nice for everybody (laughs) you'll you'll be you'll become number two (laughs) number two (laughs) colin will get colin will get to stroke the white cat Uh, yes, I'll be Rob Lowe for an episode. I've always wanted to be Rob Lowe. Uh, Noah, you, you get an opportunity. Um, you'll be up for, for Russia, from Russia with love, apparently. So, um... From Russia. Yes. Um, but then Dr. No will be killed. So spoiler! What's going to happen to me then? <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. Uh, well, we should note that, but if you haven't watched the movies, then... We've had, like, 53 years to watch Dr. No, people, so, like, don't jump down our throats for it, okay? (laughs) Nobody has an excuse. There's no waiting six months till it comes in at the library (laughs) or the video store anymore. Just download it. Yes, or copy it from DVD to VHS. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I would have been... Borrow fans. You complained about Dr. No spoiler. Yeah, all right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, no, no doctor. Just no. like with the gun barrel at the beginning. Noah is out. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, in Skyfall. Yes. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the very first episode of Double Oz 7. My name has been Waterworth, Ben Waterworth, and that never happened on the other podcast. <laughs> <laughs>